You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. The Literature Corner. And I want to invite you to call in. What is uh, one of the last books that you might have read? And do an on-air review of it. Give us a basic summary of it. And then tell us what you liked, what you didn't like. And whether you recommend it. On 011-883-0702 in Johannesburg and in Cape Town on 021-446-0567. We'll kick off here. We love reading as a team. Tom McGreeny. Uh, firstly, well done on um, producing that middle hour profile with John Carney. Isn't he awesome? He's hey? amazing. He's an amazing soul. Really, really Because we, we have many South Africans who do the most in the world and in mm. the country. Mm. And some of them are divas, yeah. as you producers can tell, yeah. with the, the, the phone calls you have to make mm. on a daily basis, right? Mm. And it's so fantastic to have someone who's not only brilliant, but also a mensch. There are many brilliant people, I won't give examples, um, who can be a nightmare. Yeah, hey? yeah. And he's just such a gift. He's so humble. He's he just said outside, I can't believe there are so many people who love me. (laughs) (laughs) You're John Ganyo. Obviously, we love you, but he's an amazing soul. Absolutely, I enjoyed that interview. You, what you didn't enjoy is the book that you're going to review. (laughs) (laughs) No, not completely. You go first, and then I'm going to talk about the book that I want to review. No problem. So the the book is called Breaking a Nation, Breaking a Breaking a Rainbow, Building a Nation by Rehozofezi Chikane. And I, I found the book to be quite dense. It was written in difficult language. It was, it read like a thesis. I had to pick it up and put it down again and pick it up and put it down again. And you actually need a good two weeks to actually get into the book. And I struggled with that because if I don't like a book from the first page, I, I really, you know, struggle with reading the rest of it. I wish I had recorded you when I, myself, when I told you, about, when I gave you the book. Yeah. Didn't I say to you? Part of it is in woke language, that's easy, and then the postgraduate student in him comes through. So the style is uneven. I agree. Comes comes out. And I I, I struggled because I I really wanted to give people an honest account of what the book is about. And I think as a young author, I want people to give him a chance. So I was like, can you just force yourself, force yourself, force yourself to read it? But I I really struggled with it at, at some point. But... I mean, it, it, it details one of the most important or recent important moments um, that have happened in South Africa, the Fees Must Fall movement and movements that led up to it. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes us back to its inception. It clearly accounts for how and why it began. And most importantly, it, de- it details the frustration of thousands of young black South Africans fighting for what should rightly be theirs, free education. But uh, albeit the difficult language it's written in, hmm. I think the book is important. And it's an honest account and a reflection of how many young South Africans feel and think right now. And when he begins you know, in the book, speaking about his frustration with his father's ideas of what building a rainbow, a rainbow nation is, when he questions the historic 1995 World Cup moment, where he feels it blindsided so many South Africans into thinking that peace was restored, when he redefines the word coconut, a word previously used to describe, you know, Model C kids as a political tool, I resonated with those moments. But there's parts specifically in the first few chapters where he speaks about how there's a moment when every young black South African realizes that they are black. And then after this, you continuously experience those moments. And he also details how this realization makes you change how your circle, um, how you interact with your circle. Because personally with me, when I 
I won't use the word woke. When I became more enlightened, mm. uh, my, the, the the interactions that I had with my white counterparts really changed. But within reason, you know, I had a friend of mine who would say, when I was with my friends, my black friends, she would say, you people are so loud. And and those little intricacies made me realize that how I interact with my, you know, my white counterparts is not the same anymore. I love that. And that's mm. why I made special effort mm. during that. Not that it, it, I mean, it's not an achievement, so don't get me wrong. To say his name in full yes, for, for exactly that reason. Mm. And I thought that was one of the, the stretches in the book, although not terribly new. People yeah. like Panasha have written about it. But I thought that, that he did a particularly good job of reflecting on the importance of naming. Definitely. Did you have to yourself reclaim Kamagwini? I had to reclaim Kamagwini. So what what was important, I, I specifically didn't listen to your to your interview with uh, with Fezi, but what I resonated with is my nickname is Guinea. Everyone mm. calls me Guinea. If you know me personally and dearly, you'll call me Ukini. And when I read the book, when Khotzi said, it has nothing to do with his actual name. Yeah. It might be a nickname, yeah. but it has it's no, it's not linked in any way. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell yeah. does Guinea mean? Yes. When I think about it, my yes. name was Gama Guini. My mom could have called me Guini. No, that's still too hard to say. Yeah. So let me shorten it, you know. But it's a, it's a name that I still use because only people who are close to me know Guinea, Gins. So that's that's my name. Sure. But I had to reclaim Kama Queenie after I asked my dad, was it, what does it mean? Mm. And he said it meant African queen and ancestral praise. Mm. So it's it's a name that I hold dearly now and I demand for people to actually call two, me by that name. Two quick final questions. What was the best thing about the book for, me, for you? The, the best part about the book is, like I said at the beginning, how he accounts for how some young South Africans are feeling about their place in society, okay. whether it's politically, whether it's socially, how you are beginning to question certain relationships, whether it's you questioning your own identity. That is something I really, really found uh, very deeply personal because I've had to really leave a lot of friendships and, and you know, also become enlightened and walk in my own way. Yeah. And it, 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 it changing is difficult, mm. but it's also necessary. And that's what he details. What's the least nice thing about the book? As I open the book, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm very disappointed that in chapter eight, he says here, Eusebius, Kumani Makpole for some will be remembered as the man who threw poo on a statue. For others, though, a small contingent of his following, he will be remembered for being detained by the South African Police Service for disrespecting President Jacob Zuma by giving the middle finger to the president's motorcade and uttering the words, F you, Zuma, you are disrupting traffic. Others see him as his apparent embodiment of the sexism, misogyny, anti-woman, anti-LGBTQI and chauvinism and the emergence of big man politics within the student movement. Mm. I believe Kumani was the person who gave life to roads must fall. And I am not alone in this. Mm. So problematic for me. Mm. I because so here too. you are being critical of the likes of Nelson Mandela, your own father even. Yes. Highly critical. Here yeah. you are, pen and paper ready. But the one man who was accused of actually sexually assaulting a woman during the, that that, uh, that mm. period, and that's all you have to say about him. The erasure of women mm. in, in these liberation, in these movements, is what pisses me off. And yeah. here you have yeah. the audacity to come still and erase women by profiling his achievements and how radical he was, mm. by not also detailing his faults. And I think that that is something I will always judge him on and paying lip service to it by using right. the word apparent 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 it happened 
these women gave details they, they they told their stories and here you are and he was vocal about about some of his um, about him being anti the lgbtqi community he was not sorry about that but you don't yeah. have the right to come and write about kumani in that manner and erase the mm. stories of those women given everything you've said on balance tell us the title again and the author and then um do you recommend it or not i recommend it because it's an important part of our history I think that this might happen again, and maybe not in this way, but it might happen again. And we need to know how it happened because he details every single little thing. Everything from NMMU to TET, how they occupied spaces. It's important. Yeah. But I'm disappointed in some of the parts that he's written in. Excellent. And we need to have a topic about the Nelson Mandela was a sellout thing because I'm disappointed in that too. But we'll have it later. (laughs) We'll have a debate, yeah. After Kedizem, (laughs) 17 minutes after 11. The Literature Corner. Hello, Sipo. Welcome to the show. Hi, you see me as well? I'm good. Thank you, sir. I'm good. Uh, I'd like to talk about, to quote quote myself, a memoir by Kayat Langa. Yes, that one I've read. Yeah. What did you make of it? Give us yeah. a summary and a review or just a little review. All right. You know what? Uh, you see, as I know Kaya as this fantastic guy who finds humor in everything. But I had never imagined that he had a tough childhood to an extent of driving all the way to Cape Town to follow his passion for advertising, mm. being homeless. And the, the role the mother played in giving him good education, you know, you actually get the value of good education while reading this book. And I'm loving it. I had the book for a long time, but it is after he spoke to Caesar when he was standing in for you, uh, that I said, you know what, let me just go to the Kaya book and read it. And yeah, it, it's amazing. I was, I'm introducing the world to the world of advertising, something I never even thought about, uh, except that I was within generation. But here it's in depth. And you actually understand personal achievements, you know, what they mean in different things. So That's right, I, yeah. Have you finished the book yet? Are you still busy with it? Um, 70% in, um, I just started the chapter where he's talking about something he went across the internet. And when he did that, it went viral on YouTube. Yeah. So I thought I the most moving story. part, which you probably have read already, is when he talks about basically living rough in Cape Town. And essentially, courtesy of a church community, being able to, you know, and also being a waiter. And I thought that was really, really, really moving. Um, Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Sipo. And and the funny funny part is where they picked up the lady that he was not aware of the prostitute. (laughs) I found that funny. Like it was raining and then they were on their way to church. And he asked his friends to give the lady a lift, only to find out the lady was actually a prostitute. And they were laughing at him. He had no idea. But <laughs> I, 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 love, I love his writing. It's simple. Not the, you know, crazy language or the one that needs you to go to school. It's simple. Which is okay. It's stories and it resonates with a lot of people. There's a reason why it was selling like hotcakes. In some bookstores, it gets stolen so often that they have to put it behind the counter, which is the ultimate achievement for writers. Thanks, Sipo, and enjoy the last 20, 30% of it. Emil, good morning. Hi, good morning, uh, Eusebius. Thank you very much. I have two books. I hope you don't mind, and I'll be quick. Not at all. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, the first book is Chris Van Drake's Surely Goodness and Mercy. Yes. If anybody wants to know about how uh, the mixed race community lives in the 
um, Baby Boomer and Generation X period, please read it. Um, it gives you a good indication of, you know, how we lived and, you know, we, what, we, what we are about and, 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 and uh, how we understand ourselves. One thing I didn't like about it, I would have liked if he touched a bit more on, you know, uh, the our, our, our racism and our, our discrimination as, as mixed race people. Yeah. The second is a teacher saved my life. It's by a gentleman called Darren August, also uh, from a mixed race colored community. He writes about how teachers changed his life, um, the good and the bad. It's a great book for teachers, but mm. also for parents who need to understand the difficulties that teachers uh, go through and, um, you know, what they have to face. So that parents can know that they have to do their work at home, but most importantly for teachers, so that they can understand, hmm. um, you know, what an integral part they play in in sculpting a child's life. It's an amazing book, both, both of them. Thank you, Emil. 21 minutes after 11 o'clock. This is the Literature Corner. Today, you and I are simply doing mini reviews of books for one another. What are some of the last books that you have read? If we have time, otherwise, you'll have to wait until next Thursday. I'll tell you what I truly and fully thought of Sasanka Musimang's second book. But uh, I want to give you a first bite of the cherry because I've got plenty of opportunity to tell you what I think about books that I've read. Lisa, good morning. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Lisa. How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, I wanted to tell you about Yad Yassi's book, uh, Homegoing. I got, it as a, I got it as a birthday gift, and I haven't read it yet, so I'm all ears. It's absolutely beautiful. She writes beautifully, and it echoes works like Chinua Achebe's Things Fall Apart, as well as Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's Americana. It follows two sisters during its set kind of at the beginning of the slave trade in Ghana. And it follows two sisters and their kind of lineage, one member of the family from each generation. One end of the family ends up in America and the other end ends up in Ghana. And it follows the history over this period, um, dealing with the historical and racial issues around slavery and colonialism. But it paints the story in such a beautiful way and at no point is it ever really telling um, a story that makes us feel um, that there's one horrible oppressor, although that is obviously evident there. But it goes to show us that human kindness is universal, while the cruelty of humans can also be universal. And it's just it's absolutely stunning. That sounds beautiful. So some wonderful universal lessons without being too didactic in an annoying way. I keep going back to it. It's one of my favorite books um, of all time. Okay. And it kind of also sent me down a rabbit hole. Because <laughs> at the end of her book, she, she talks about the, um, the other authors that have influenced her, uh. which I then went on to read, um, <laughs> one of which is uh, Jessamyn Ward's Men We Reap, which uh, talks about uh, the American South and what it's like to be black in the American South mm. and how... Um, these kind of cycles of poverty and criminality perpetuate themselves That's right. to no fault of the people's own. Mm. And it, it's just, um, it's a uh, mind opener. Thank you, Lisa. So that's a high recommendation from you for homegoing. Definitely. Thank you. Have a beautiful read over Christmas. Roslyn, good morning. Hi, Asubius. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. 
Um, I wanted to also talk about two books that I'm reading. I'm halfway through um, Tebek and Gulkai Torby's um, The Land of the Hours. Yes. And um, it's what I like about it is that it's uh, it's a history. Um, I really like history books, um, and it's a history of of, of land. What's happened to land and who's owned land and how it's been taken over over time in South Africa. But what's most interesting to me about it um, as a white woman is looking at or, or finding out about the actual policies that the British colonial project yeah. um, had, you know, to... to um, like, for example, to keep, to give black people in the mines, black men in the mines, only enough food to keep them productive. Yeah. And um, the other one was that there was a policy to actually to elevate, that, that the white working class English person had to be elevated above the Africana. And, you know, to, to understand that these were policies, um, you know, par- parliamentary actual edicts was very interesting. And then um, my fun book is um, latest fun book is Sally Andrews, um, Tony Maria, and the Satanic Mechanic. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, oh, it's very fun. Um, it's set in the Karoo and in a little Karoo, and it's it's a sort of. Um, version of the number one lady detective agency yes. um, in that it's, a, it's a sort of crime, uh, um, solving crimes at the same time as cooking, you know, as these amazing meals and then having these characters like the satanic mechanic, who is a guy who who basically just loves snakes and and nature, but he's also a, and he's a mechanic for real. Hmm. But he's also a post-traumatic stress disorder counsellor. <laughs> so it's got all this interweaving um, uh, strands, and I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Lovely. Thanks, Thanks Rosalind. Thanks for the love of literature. If anyone else would like to review a book very quickly, we've got a minute or three left. O double one double eight three o seven o two, and in Cape Town, o two one double four six o five six seven. The Literature Corner. So this week I met with one of my friends who is one of the continent's best writers. I won't fully disclose the content of our conversation because it was partly private, but it it also helped me to, to think a little bit harder about a recent book that I had read. And this is the second book by Sasanke Musamang entitled The Resurrection of Winnie Mandela. And that's uh, obviously following on from the enormous success of her debut work, which was Always Another Country, a book that is now available uh, in all sorts of places across the globe. And uh, she's had incredible critical acclaim for that book. And also, of course, as you know, she was shortlisted and deservedly so for the Alan Payton Award. And um, many a committee would have thought that she is even deserving of winning it. So stunning. So her second book was The Resurrection of Winnie Mandela. If you had missed my author interview with her a month or two back, you can find it on our website, capetalk.co.za. Go to the show page or 702.co.za. But with time having lapsed, and I've read this book in very various different forms. I mean, I first read 
the first uh, cut of the manuscript, version one, I read another version. And then the final one, the product that's now actually on the shelves and available nationwide, I read it twice. And and I think what's, firstly, in terms of what is beautiful about this book is, as with Sasonka's first book, it is just written very beautifully. I think that there are very few contemporary writers that have her hold over language. She just writes absolutely stunningly. She's got a turn of phrase. She's got an artistic depth in terms of how she sculpts sentences that really just make you want to drape her sentences uh, all over you and go out for a beautiful night about town. So, and, and I don't mean that as a, as a small achievement. Many of us as writers, particularly nonfiction, hope that our works will be appreciated because of research we might have done or argumentation that we make that is hopefully interesting or observation as commentators that you as the reader enjoy social and political comment that you might find particularly interesting to chew on. Um, but it's extremely hard to have something interesting to say and also to write in a manner that is absolutely stunning. So the consistency that Sasonke achieves in this book from a stylistic point of view, I think is something worth celebrating. The second thing I think about this book that is amazing, The Resurrection of Winnie Mandela, is that it's one of those books where she manages both, and the risk of contradicting myself when I come back to this in a second is also a criticism. But in the first instance as a strength, there is something awesome about getting the full biographical account of the life and times of Ma Winnie, and because she is also a very sharp observer of our contemporary politics, there are certain chapters where she is particularly strong in providing some trenchant comment. And I'll give you one example of that. She beautifully unpicks about 60% into the book the incredible hypocrisy of the African National Congress in relation to questions such as the use of violence as a means to an end and the scapegoating of Winnie Mandela in that regard as if she was somehow exceptional to certain strategic and tactical decisions that the organization had taken. And I thought that that part was really, really good. Here's my, my criticism that I haven't raised before of this book, and close your ears if you, if you don't want any criticism to influence your own reading of the book. I think Sazonka should have picked whether she wants to do a classic biography that starts with birth, and ends in death, or whether she could have completely said, I'm not interested in even a quasi-biography, and she could have started the book, page one, with what she did about 60% into the book, and to say, you know what, I'll let others do a full biography. I'm not even going to pad my introduction by saying this isn't a full biography, because it's one thing to say that, but if you still start with the place of birth, then the slight apology you give at the beginning I think becomes, it just, you undermine it because you say, I'm not going to give, this is not a full biography, but then you, you do the cradle to death thing anyway. And I think the best part of the book could have been fleshed out over the entirety of the book, which is some of the moral and political argument and critique about the ANC and um, how in Sasonka's viewpoint, and whether you agree with it is not the, not the issue, how in, in, in her viewpoint, uh, Ma Winnie was was a scapegoat for what was in fact pretty much ANC policy and what ANC had endorsed in relation to violence. So I think there's a deep and complex question around the morality of the use of violence, and particularly in the 80s, that could have been the entirety of the book as a theme. Uh, 
and locate Winnie there and your critique of the ANC and just slowly unravel that. So in retrospect, I think um, if I was an editor, I might have said to Sasanka, pick which book you want to write. And in the end, it, it is a book that tries to do two things. It does both of them decently, but I'm not sure whether it does either of them as brilliantly as we know she's capable of.